Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all shapes, sorts, and sizes. This is Josh Belcher, host of Nashville's very own Uncharted Podcast. Hope everybody had a great week. I know I did. Just 16 short days left until I celebrate my birthday impromptu trip with my daughter Hannah. We are going to Detroit, Michigan to see Motown, Hitsville, USA. The museum there and if we have enough time from that venture we're going to go check out the henry ford museum it's got a bunch of really cool stuff inside of it like uh, an oscar meyer wiener mobile and i think the chair that abraham lincoln was assassinated in i know that's two random things but i'm an adhd driven random guy so just wanted to bring that up got that to look forward to um you know it's been a slow somber week uh, buried my grandmother a week ago, still recovering from that. And just for gits and shiggles, a uh, person uh, by day, I deliver paint for a uh, business, Sherwin-Williams. And um, a gentleman decided as I was delivering his paint, it would be fun to take his piece of heavy equipment that he was operating and honk the air horn. And it tore my right ear, ruptured my eardrum. So I had that to look forward to this week. But making the best uh, where uh, where I possibly can. Uh, my team won in college football. I'm a Gator fan, and hopefully tomorrow when this airs uh, at 12 o'clock, the Titans, Tennessee Titans, will hold their own against the Minnesota Vikings. But without further ado, I'll quit yakety yakking it up. If you have anybody that you can introduce the show to, please do. We always appreciate more listeners trying to make it grow, so we can keep this bad boy keep it on going. Uh, so let's get started. Our first uh, guest is up next. All right, enjoy. Next up on this fantastic slice of podcast, we have veteran music industry executive Lauren Israel. He is the man who helped launch the careers of Jimmy Eat World, Plain White Tees, Neon Trees, Less Than Jake, the unlikely candidates, just to name a few. He's going to impale some of his music industry wisdom on me, and I really enjoyed speaking with him here on the podcast. Enjoy Uncharted. Lauren Israel, here we go. Can you discuss your origin story and how you uh, built this foundation for such an amazing career? Yeah, well, I started out as a musician. Um, and I uh, played in a bunch of bands, um, got a record deal, got a publishing deal, and uh, the lead singer of our band decided to join a cult. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it's funny, right? So um, I went back to school. I put myself through school, but I found myself always going to shows. I found myself promoting concerts and um you know, my band at the time had a pretty good following. So I'd always be hit up, you know, hey, how can I, how can I, um, how can my band do better live, you know? And, and then one day, um, a guy who would see me out in the clubs would say, hey, 
have you seen any good bands? And I told them, yeah, man, like this band and that band. And uh, those two bands or a couple of them or whatever got really, really, really big. So this guy um, wouldn't leave me alone. He was asking me all sorts of questions. And I finally asked him, I said, so what's this A&R thing, man? Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, you know, I go in the office at about 11 or 12 and I listen to music, write letters take meetings, listen to music, write letters, take meetings, uh, have lunch for a couple hours. I listen to music. I write letters. I take meetings and then I go home for briefly and I go out and see bands and I do it all the next day. I said, that's the job I want. So, um, at the time I was working at a surf shop and I was, I, I had a few jobs. I was teaching surfing and I was, you know, hustling, man. You know, like I was bartending at an after hours uh, club and, you know, man, I was just trying to make a living, trying to get through school. But I I interned for about three years. And uh, through a very circuitous sort of way, I ultimately was at Capitol Records for about 15 years in various capacities. But what I started to do is as soon as I got my internship, I started to produce records. And I thought that um, learning how to produce would help me with the A&R process, which is A, the artist or the voice, and B, the songs, uh, the repertoire. So um, that's how I got started. Yeah, that's that's a great way to do it. I mean, yeah, I dream, I dream job, not only being an artist, but to get to listen to them and, and help them develop. Um, my next question for you was, um, uh, with, with all, uh, can you uh, hear a few songs from an artist and determine whether or not they have an hit factor, like when you're discovering talent? Oh, uh, you, you broke up a little bit. Um, ask me that one more time, man. I was saying, um, uh, within a few songs of listening to a band, do you have the, uh, the ear to know whether or not they have the it factor? Uh, you know, that's a very good question. I can tell you whether or not the actual quality of the vocal is appropriate for a very huge audience. But I have to be very honest with you. I think talent is way overrated. I think perseverance discipline, um, strength of character, uh, intelligence, uh, and finding people that can help you goes a lot farther than innate talent. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, basically the old saying is not what you know, but who you know? No. It's, 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 it's not your innate abilities. It's what you do with the abilities you have. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Um, well, uh, have you, like, I'm based out of Nashville. Have you ever worked with or had the desire to take on country music? Oh, sure, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, uh, I love country music. Um, I like I like um some of the some of the stuff that like Dave Cobb does I really dig. 
Um, I love Nashville. I've been there a couple times. I I love it there, man. Yeah, awesome. Uh, do you have to be a well-established artist now uh, with the foundation that you've built to be able to work with you? No, 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 no. I um, I work with emerging artists. I work with artists who um, want the help, who um, I, I understand what they're doing, mm-hmm. and I feel as though I can help them. Um, my wife says um, I'm a saint because I work with people that nobody else would want to work with. They 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 never even they never have any demand for tickets they don't have any demand for streams they don't have any demand for t-shirts they don't have a demand for touring um but if i feel i can be a conduit for their success that's what i truly dig doing that's what i really really like doing mm-hmm. awesome that's incredible like i said you don't hear many people uh, you know of your stature that have uh, you know honed some of the best uh, bands uh, current and beyond saying something like that. Like if a guy like me was at a concert somewhere and saw a guy or a girl that had potential, could I could I pitch him your way and you could give him a look or listen? I mean, is that what you're? I mean, is that what you're doing? Well, um, I work one on one with the artists. Yeah. And my I'm available to work out a situation where I help you. I help artists. I mean, just recently. I had a number one song uh, of a band that went through my program. I got them two record deals. They're called The Unlikely Candidates. They had a number one song just this last year, uh, April or April, uh, called, a song called Novocaine that I think was, I think, number one on the, on the Nashville station, the Nashville alternative station. So, yeah, sure was. I mean, I mean, yeah, so, dude, like, I love it, man. I, uh, I'm, I love it. I, I love it. That's awesome. Um, uh, do you find it kind of difficult in the times you are right now uh, being a consultant to bands with uh, touring and everything almost at a standstill? No, I find it liberating. I mean, wow. I find it complete. Well, think about it. 99% of bands cannot tour and make a living. It's usually something they have to work at for a long period of time to have something, a sustainable touring career. Furthermore, in order to have a really successful touring career, most of the time, you need a song or a group of songs to drive that career. So I look at it like a total, total opportunity for artists to put more music out, put better songs out, be more consistent, and learn how to use the tools that they have in front of them to build that audience so that when 2022 comes around and touring is hot as shit, they're on it. They, they have streams and they have a fan base. This is a, this is an amazing opportunity to save time, save money. We all know it. It's hard to rehearse. Listen, you have to get three or four guys together you got to go to a rehearsal studio between one and four times a week, between one and three hours at a time. you got to learn the songs, and you got to book your shows. Who's going to book you if you have no one that wants to see your shit? I mean, yeah. come on, man. It's hard. It's really hard. But what's really easy is to put out music, 
make it huge and do it over and over and over again. It's you're you're in control much much more when you know the the process of writing songs that people love. So so like uh right now you think uh one of the best things we've got going is these people that are just, you know, kind of like in uh isolation writing these songs and then putting them out as singles like for you to enjoy on like uh, Spotify or social media platforms. Yeah, dude. I mean, let's be honest. You know, put out a song every every three or four weeks. Um, I would I would accompany that. I know it's difficult, but I would accompany that with a video. I would learn how to use Google Ads, okay, to drive your video. It's not that hard, dude. Yes, there's a learning curve, but it's not that hard. You'd be surprised. Once you do a video. You have a lot of material so you can put on your Instagram, your Twitter, your TikTok. Build, build, your, build your YouTube. Write a hit song or 500. Um, use, use the B-roll from the YouTube to put up a whole bunch of Instagram stuff. Um, do some promoting on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And learn... Learn what your audience is digging. Understand what your what your audience is doing. You know, understand how they're digging your music. If they are, if they're not, uh, do you need to write songs that are perhaps more up tempo? Do you need to write songs that you know are more melancholy? I don't know. You gotta you gotta listen to your audience. Mm-hmm. But, dude, it's not that hard. And this is what I teach. This yeah. is what I mentor my clients all day long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listening to you, um, you're saying what um, I'm not seeing artists do, which is um, their their first thing is like you said, get out there and, and touring first. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that the, the right ticket is, is building a song that people can uh, kind of like get behind and resonate with. I'm sorry. What, can you can you say that one more time, sir? Yeah, I was I was saying you know a lot of bands I know they kind of focus on the first thing off the bat is is out and performing at shows and doing you know cover songs and maybe a couple of originals. But would the best advice for a, a developing new artist would it be to write a handful of songs that people can resonate with right off the bat? Well, we can't tour right now, so that's not that's not in the cards. What I would do is I would be prolific. I would be disciplined and I would adapt and I would market and promote my own material. What I mean by, 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 by prolific, I mean write one or two songs a week. What I mean by disciplined is learn the craft of songwriting. Um, what I mean by adapting, I mean understanding how to navigate uh, your own business, right? You, there's a certain level of understanding what the so what you're doing social media wise, what you're doing with the DSPs, and how your songs are interacting with your fans that you you need to understand. Um, and then finally, do it all again and learn and grow and adapt, um, because that's 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 how you can get people in seats. Because people will start coming to you. Now, certainly, we've all done it. Like I've toured 
I mean, a lot of us have toured. Most of us tour and lose money. In the greater scheme of things, most of us tour and lose money. Yes, you can play, you know, your Thursday to Sunday shows, and you can do, you know, your three sets, and you can, you know, put in a few cover songs, and you can hone your skills as a performer. But in reality, during the year 2020, that's not possible. So why not take this, this golden opportunity and learn the craft of writing hit songs? Yeah, yeah. The time is now. I, I agree with you. It's, it's like striking while the iron's hot. That makes perfect sense. Um, well, if somebody wants to get a hold of you to to uh, to learn from you and, and uh, your consulting firm, what what are your social medias and your websites and all that? Yeah, you can hit me up uh, uh, at my email address is uh, Lauren Israel L O R E N I S R A E L at Gmail. You can go to my website laurenisrael.com and uh, you can go to my Twitter at Lauren Israel. Had the privilege this week to speak with Trio East of June, Kyle Mortensen, Emily Rath, and Derek Lance, telling them about what they're doing during the pandemic, including writing this awesome brand new single they've got, Little Bird. That's next on the Uncharted Podcast. Kyle, Emily, and Dirk, which make up East of June. Just wanted to say uh, Little Bird is a groovy little welcome tune that I highly enjoyed. I've got it in my rotation now. Um, I, I, just, I, just, I just think it just it's one of those songs that, you know, it can just peek in at the perfect time. It just makes you feel good. It's, you know, it's just I don't know how to say it. It's just a feel-good tune. And, you know, I understand it was born from isolation and the pandemic and I would just like to if you just discuss a little bit more about it and everything. It just uh, really caught my attention. I think it's a great, uh, it's a great piece of work. So, thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, essentially, the way the song kind of came together was just it was that first week during, you know, quarantine lockdown in LA, and you know, my thinking cap went on. Was like, well, I guess I got a lot of time on my hands. It'd be probably a smart idea to try and write something that's acoustic and stripped down. That would be, you know, easy for the band to record at home and not have to worry about big production and bells and whistles and I literally just kind of sat outside on my porch with my acoustic guitar for like a week kind of go around with the part and came up with a, a basic idea and uh you know that was when I sent it off to, to Dirk and Emily and Emily got inspired and um you know I'll let her speak more to the the story itself but that was how the, the initial seed was planted awesome yeah it's truly amazing how uh how something can something beautiful and wonderful can come out of uh you know, total uh, isolation in your life. <laughs> so great job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, right, um, so, so then I, I kind of like took over the lyrics, uh, lyric side of it um, and sort of related it to like the feeling I got from it. And um, it was kind of just a melancholy, sweet uh, melody. So mm-hmm. it made me think of like a time like that. And I sort of, went through that experience that I talk about where I, when I got home from college, I was at home for a while trying to pursue music and all this. And, um, and I just got to a point where it was like, I needed to, I know I needed to get out and, you know, you know, be on my own. And my parents were also like, listen, we love you, but it's time for you to get out. So, um, (laughs) we, we kind of, it was, it was cool because I wanted to show like, 
the side that I personally connected with, which was, you know, the child, but also from the parent side, it has that, you know, it's hard for both both people. So sure, yeah, sure. But but like the 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 mom and dad bird, do not hesitate to push the little one out of the nest if need be. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta uh, do it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's hard for all of us because you know if you're anything like me. You can look back and be like, man, I sure missed those days when I was just at home, and the only thing I had to worry about was, uh, you know, what uh, what I was going to do nothing. for the weekend or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So one thing that intrigued me about about your band um, is that I read that uh, you you're into existence because of a Bumble transaction. Now this, a <laughs> single guy spends time on Bumble. Uh, I just would like to know how a band came out of that, which is really cool. As a single guy and a <laughs> and an amateur yeah. drummer, it just really sparked spark my stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty simple. I mean, you know, Dirk and I have known each other since high school. We've been friends for you know 25 years now. He and I were working on music together. Uh, that we, you know, we had no. We had no dreams of being in a band at that point. We we were just kind of writing songs and collaborating on ideas and what could become songs. And we really both wanted to work with a female vocalist, uh, just from some of the, the, the bands that we were into, from like Fleetwood Mac and, and Portishead. And, you know, I just kind of had yeah. it on my radar, fine, fine female singer, <laughs> however that <laughs> presents itself. And I think it was literally like January 1st or 2nd, um, you know, start of the new year, and I was just kind of swiping on Bumble uh, on the board. <laughs> And I came across Emily's profile, and, uh, you know, sure enough, she actually had, like, her, her website listed on her profile. So I didn't just skip the line. I didn't really wait for her to, you know, for us to connect or anything. I just found her site, listened to her music, um, thought she was really talented, had some, some great songs, and sent her an email, and she wrote back. And, you know, we kind of just rapped for 30, 45 minutes on the phone, and I, I sent her a couple of tunes, um, one of which was the demo that Dirk and I had done for What Became Let Me In. And I think that was actually the first thing that she, she came back and had some ideas about. And, um, I mean, that was pretty much it. Meanwhile, <laughs> I had no idea that he found me from Bumble. I was like, yeah. just getting this random email from this guy. And I was like, uh, okay. And then I asked him the next day. And I was like, how did you find me? And he was like, well, I found you on Bumble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, you if you make it weird. It's only weird if you make it weird. Yeah, make it weird. that's right. <laughs> yeah, I just I just think that's great. I was wondering, like, in the profile it said, you know, I like, you know, the average of the walks in the park, hiking, uh, are you a great singer, so on and so forth. Yeah, I just, yeah. it just intrigued me, you know, because usually it's just the plain and simple, like, you know, I like uh, going to concerts or this, that, and yeah. that. But, but either way, I mean, it, it, if you connect, like you said, it's only weird if you if you make it that way. So I'm glad you guys got together. Yeah, I mean, like, thank God Kyle's got a libido because that's really how the – you want to know how the band got started? That's Kyle's horny. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Yeah, 100%. The next uh, song you guys write will be the, the Bumble Libido. That'll be the next <laughs> Bumble Libido. Yeah, Bumble Libido. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hey, that's something right there. That's going to be on a T-shirt, I'm sure, for you guys. Um, what um, Are you guys planning on touring if the world reopens anytime soon? Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, when, when they finally figure all this stuff out, sooner or later people are going to want to go back being at concerts. Um, I, I don't think that eventually changes. It's just you're really going to be looking at the person who wants to see, like, are you enjoying this? Cool, cool. Yeah, Do you yeah. have any diseases? Cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I think the concert going experience is going to be much more intense. So we have a work cut out for us to keep people focused on what we're actually doing and, you know, allow them to forget their, you know, disease concerns for a certain period of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's going to, some point in the future, and God only knows when that's going to be. So in the meantime, you know, we're just going to keep writing music, recording music, releasing music, and the world comes to its senses. We'll get out there with everybody else. And you know, scream from the mountaintops that you need to come see us play. That's it. Yeah, exciting. I mean, uh, you know, living here in Nashville, uh, you guys would be a perfect for for heading out here if you haven't been here already. There's plenty of spots that would welcome you with an arm. So, um, oh, that's good. Yeah, I just. Uh, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I have had some fun in Nashville, most of which I do not remember. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I've uh, been forward to going back. Yeah, I've been uh, part of a couple of those uh, performances you're probably talking about. But, uh, yeah, um, it's just, you know, if, if I'd have known the last concert I saw was the last, I'd have probably taken more advantage. And I was thinking, man, I was sitting in a crowd with no mask on. How wild that was. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, um, yeah. This next question is, is solely for Kyle. I, I read, you know, you're, uh, you're into, like, the occult, spooky things. I know Halloween's on the horizon. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the world-famous Belle Witch uh, here in Middle Tennessee? Have you ever uh, been spelunkering in her cave and what her house used to be? Have you ever heard of that tale? The name rings a bell. Have I been there? No. Okay. Um, well, but yeah. certainly you mean not all your spelunking adventures, Kyle? You haven't uh, <laughs> spelunked in Central Tennessee? Yeah. It's funny. If you, uh, if you literally pulled uh, – I would say if you were going to pull a tarot card from the deck, that would sum up my life the last six years, seven years, it'd probably be the hermit. I have not, uh, <laughs> I have yeah. not gotten out much. I've pretty much been dedicated to uh, the band and just running my business 24-7. So I honestly couldn't even tell you the last time I, I left the state and took a holiday. <laughs> wow. that, yeah, that's, uh, that's getting after it. Totally understandable. I just, I just read that, and I thought our, well, our most famous um, uh, paranormal Entity, I guess you could say, would be the uh, the witch that like tormented the the Bell family, and uh, they say you know drove John Bell to his grave. So I don't know if you'd ever check that out or not. Wow. No, but I'm certainly making a note right now. Yep. <laughs> the Bell witch, yes, yeah, she. Uh, I think I'm the only one who's actually spelunked in the last ever, and I actually <laughs> was in a cave in, in like southern Indiana slash northern Kentucky a few months ago over the summer. And I, I posted pictures of me spelunking. So <laughs> isn't that such a great word? Got that on the resume. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it oh, really man. is. We've uh, yeah, that, that'll be the word of the day. You know, somewhere uh, Pee Wee Herman screaming out loud when he hears the word spelunker. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, same with Emily. You know, you like hi- hiking and outdoors. And I was going to ask you if you've ever been to like uh, Fall Creek Falls here in, in Tennessee and seen. Uh, all that beauty, and then have you ever been a part of our like uh, Appalachian trails or anything like that? No, but I'd love to. I've been to Nashville only, so yeah. Um, but I'd love to explore more. Yeah, like, yeah. Get Good me deal. out traveling. I'm, I'm That's done it. with this quarantine. Yeah, I hear. You. We'd love to have you. I mean, we'd. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of time. Everything getting open, and that's, that's one thing I love. Yeah. You know, discovering this music and hearing this song. It's just like this is something that people really gravitate towards, and the only way you can hear it is like you know, either just listen to the song, or, or like if you do like a live session. You guys do like a live series on social media or anything where you perform, uh, you know, live streams. Tomorrow. tomorrow. Wow! Tomorrow. Literally, literally tomorrow. tomorrow. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> so you just go to your um, to your what your Facebook, your Instagram. Where would you find that? 
We're going to be on um, streaming um, through Alternative Press and their their Facebook. Awesome. Um, and as well as our IG Live, correct, Kyle? And, um, uh, I don't know if it's our IG Live or our Facebook. It's you know, that's my next phone call when I when I finish up here is getting yeah. that all sorted <laughs> out. But we, we are literally streaming tomorrow. And yeah. it's a safe bet to say on on Alternative Press is Facebook. Yeah, that's Facebook great. Yeah. slash Alternate Alt Press, I believe. And it's um, 12 p.m. our time, so 3 p.m. your time, right, I think? Yes. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, just, just a little bit behind. But, yeah, that's awesome. I've already written that as you're talking, Alternative Press, which is, a, you know, uh, crazily enough, still a magazine you can get through the mail, which I always thought was kind of awesome in these times. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I didn't want to leave, leave Dirk out, of course. I saw, you know, a fan of uh, 90s pop trivia. The question I wanted to ask you was, have you ever been playing trivia like in a bar or something and have Incubus be the answer to a question while you're playing? <laughs> I I don't know if it's been the answer to the question, but it's certainly been like I hear it in the grocery store and stuff like that and you know, in elevators now and again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I've been the answer to a, a trivia question or not. Yeah. But it that's a good one. The, the funny part would be if I didn't get the question right. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. You never lived that one down. Well um, Who was the douchiest band with the douchiest <laughs> bass player in two thousand and one? Yeah. <laughs> what well, is Kirkland? Can, can, yeah. Can I phone a friend to make sure <laughs> that's it? Yeah, that's one of my lifelines. Well, um, well, my, uh, you know, you're being a fan of the '90s pop trivia. I looked this up the other day. Well, actually, I saw it, and I was going to ask you, do you know who voiced Shredder from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the '90s TM, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon? No. Most, uh, it it broke up on me. Uh, Boy 2 from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I, I was saying, okay, in the 90s, and it said you, uh, you're a fan of the uh, 90s pop trivia. Do you know who voiced the villain Shredder in the 90s oh. cartoon? Well, technically they rewrote the bio wrong, and it should have said 80s trivia, but <laughs> 90s Shredder, um, oh, that's I'm a good actually going to go with... Um, John Boyd? No. <laughs> Mark, uh, Mark, Mark, was it Mark Hamill? That, Luke Skywalker that, himself? Uh, Mark Hamill did a lot of voices. It was actually, which really interests me, it was um, James Avery, who was Uncle Phil from uh, The Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, they, you, they were it's crazy how many people do voice work, and you know some of it you pick up on, and then some of it not until much later. You're like, hey, why do I know this? Oh, yeah. Uncle Phil. Yeah, I just saw 90s, and that came up because they're doing the whole uh, Fresh Prince reunion. I thought, I never knew that. And the Ninja Turtles were my jam as a child. So, Yeah. I um, I had cause last night at band practice to, to reference somebody dancing to Carlton, you know, during one of our <laughs> songs. Like, this would be so much cooler if somebody was pulling the Carlton. Yeah. So, it's funny how it's full circle. I hear every time somebody does the Carlton, they have to mail in like 38 cents, Alfonso Ribeiro. So you have to be careful of that. Alfonso Ribeiro, good pull. Yeah. But do you, yeah. do you remember him from such gems as Silver Spoons in the 1980s? Uh, I, I, I don't. That's awesome. But I, I heard somebody say, and I don't know if it's a fact, that he, he played Michael Jackson in a movie or one of the Jacksons. 
No, he was in a Pepsi commercial with Michael Jackson. Oh, that's what. Okay, I, I knew it was some kind of. That's the only thing I remember. Somebody was like he he was some association with Michael Jackson. Anyway, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, was he, was he in the Pepsi? Yeah, now he's doing State Farm commercials, and he's the America's Funniest Home Videos guy. I think Carlton for the win. Welcoming to the podcast this weekend, the one and only living legend, bass player extraordinaire, Mr. Billy Sheehan. How many other human beings have you ever seen play finger taps on a bass? Check it out on YouTube. He's next on the Uncharted Podcast. You ready to rock and roll? Uh, No, but I'm ready to talk. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well... First of all, uh, thank you for taking the time. It's a, it's a, quite a thrill to get to speak with you. Um, as a as a novice drummer as I am, I've always uh, felt like the bass and drums are a pair. And as far as the creme de la creme, you've always set the tone. So really appreciate your time. Oh, I feel exactly the same way. Uh, I, I it's all about the drums. <laughs> People yeah. always ask me, "Who's your favorite guitar? Who's your favorite guitar?" I go, "I always tell them Dennis Chambers because he's my <laughs> he's an amazing drummer and." the yeah. best musician I know on any instrument. So, yeah, it is about the drums. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, the rhythm section all the way. Well, I, uh, what really intrigued me is I was watching old Toddzilla, and he had a video with you on it talking about some some lessons there at uh, uh, Nashville Lane Music, uh, and I was just wanting to figure out a little bit more about that, what's going on with that. Well, I'm home. I can't go on the road, so I'm here, and people always write to me, ask me for lessons. I'm not a teacher. I don't give lessons per se, yeah. I but I can tell you a lot about playing bass, and I can correct a lot of things on other players and give them some advice about how to make life easier and uh, your bass play better and understand the fretboard more, so... Uh, I thought uh, uh, it would be nice to have a spot in town where any musician uh, who's touring or doing records and they got a night off and they want to do a couple lessons or sit down master class, however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we, we're starting with me. Hopefully the invitation goes out to a lot of other players so they can just at any given time throw some dates up on the calendar. People can see it. And uh, they want to do a lesson with uh, – you know, a, a play, a bass player, guitar player, drummer, keyboard, songwriter, whatever, or sit down with them for an hour or two. Uh, Lane Music has uh, created a facility to do that, so I'm I'm very pleased about that. So we start December 5th. Uh, all the slots are already sold out, so they're going to do uh, maybe more slots the next day, which is a Sunday, I believe. And mm-hmm. that that that'll probably sell out too. So we may do the Friday before also. And just see how it goes. And they, they'll they videotape the entire uh, situation there. So you'll be able to take the video home and review it and watch it and show it to your friends. And please don't make a DVD out of it and sell it. Or, yeah, yeah, or exactly. But, you know, we, we, but it's yours. You can do it as you please. We would just, uh, you know, like to request that you don't uh, uh, try to, you know, do anything that, that would uh, – not sit well with uh, with people. Sure. That's all we can say, you know. But uh, but we're glad to sit down with somebody for a while. And I find every time I do, I learn a little something. Even if the beginner player has just picked the thing up, uh, there's always something to learn. So in a way, there's some a little bit of self-serving here. I'll probably end up 
learning a bit myself from, from yeah, giving yeah. lessons or sitting down with someone. But I do enjoy it. I enjoy helping other musicians uh, very, very much so. And I want people to leave there a better player, knowing more, having more confidence, having more understanding of the instrument they're playing, and just have it be a, 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 a inspirational and uplifting experience uh, for both myself and the and the participant as well. So playing music uh, here in, uh, I think it's Brentwood or Cool Springs, but it's very close to my house. I can drive there drive there in 10 minutes. So so if I drive there and forget my base, I'll be back in 10 minutes uh, to get it. <laughs> well, maybe Lane Music might have a couple there of your, uh, yours waiting on you there just in case. But, um, yeah, that, that's, that's exciting for people. I know, like you said, selling out, I, I didn't doubt that for a minute. I, that's the next thing I was going to ask is if, if they were all booked up yet. Yeah, so far everything on the first day is gone. I think they're going to open the second day yep. and possibly the day before. But, again, we're just kind of um, – this is our first time with it, so we're going to see how it goes. Sure. And uh, as with anything like this, you want to do a, a couple and figure out what works best, how much time is the most convenient. Initially, we were going to do a whole bunch of things, whether a lunch or a dinner and things like that, but scheduling is tough. But one of the good things is Nashville is Music City, and people fly in on a Thursday or Friday to spend a long weekend uh, going up and down Broadway, hearing the bands, driving around, seeing the sights, uh, experiencing the city. And, uh, hey, while you're here, uh, maybe uh, book up uh, uh, an hour with uh, with me at Lane Music, and we can sit down. And, and it, it also, it's open to non-musicians, too, if you want to sit down and just talk about music and the business or bring your demo and uh, you know, go over that. It can include anything that I deal with: songwriting, production, playing bass, being in a band. Uh, you know, uh, all, all those subjects uh, we, we can we can touch on because I think a little bit more knowledge and understanding of all those things will help a lot of people out. Not just uh, right hand technique on the bass. You know, <laughs> there's a lot more yeah, yeah, yeah. that exactly. everyone could. And I'm happy to be helpful to people, and I really want to make sure that everyone that sits down with me. When we're done, they they feel like they've really uh, had uh, a change mm-hmm. uh, for the better. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the yeah. I think I think everybody's going to come away in their own in their own uh, you know experiences with something to gain from from just sitting and, and basking in your knowledge. I think that's a great thing, and that got me excited. And I was like, yeah, I have to ask about that. So very cool. Oh, I'm and, glad you asked. Yeah, and awesome that you're taking the time. That that really means a lot to a lot of people, especially uh, you know coming from you. You know teach them and everything like that yeah yeah that's cool uh, again i'm glad to do it we're uh, uh looking forward like i said to uh extending the invitation to a lot of other players as you know there's many great great players of all genres in uh, nashville yeah so if somebody's got and nobody can go on tour for probably for another five or six months at best so why not uh you know try to help and of course we're gonna we're gonna be following every everything all the procedures we need to follow to keep everybody safe and all that you know so we'll make sure that it's a you know it's in a it's in a nice wide open space in a room we're not necessarily jammed into a little space together and yeah we'll 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 do, make sure to take care of everyone's safety as well awesome and then uh you know jumping from that uh, just right around the corner you've got the October fourth rock and roll fantasy camp master class. Uh, I saw that advertised on your Facebook. So, I mean, you're definitely keeping busy with that. Uh, what is that opposed to, like, being here at, at Lane in Nashville? Well, that's open to people all over the world because it's online. Uh-huh. So so we, uh, I've done a lot of work with the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp in the past. Generally, the Fantasy Camp, the procedure is 
the counselors, us, the musicians from various bands, uh, get your campers, and those are people that sign on to join the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, and us counselors basically make a band out of them, teach them songs, and we get up on stage performing, even if they've never performed in their life. And wow. it's a, it is a life-changing experience. Let me tell you, Joshua, it is really, <laughs> I've seen, you know, there, there's blood, sweat, and tears, uh, the emotions people go through. You know, now they've got to get up on stage and play, and they never played before. Some guys that are you know, proficient and played around a lot, now they're getting a whole new perspective on what's expected of them. And I've, it's just been an incredible, uh, life-changing experience. You go to the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp site, uh, or, or, or Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp site, not a campsite, uh, and see some of the stories of some of the participants. We had a, the last one I did, we had like this number one surgeon from Toronto was a gentleman wow. who was a piano player and he came down, but he never played a song in a band. Wow. And so sure enough, when we started, he couldn't do it. He couldn't play a song, couldn't keep time, couldn't, didn't know where the, how to make the changes or follow the band. And there was a guy who was a top surgeon in a major city in North America. So I sat down with them and we worked and we worked a lot of diplomacy, a lot of understanding, a lot of care. And, uh, we got it. We got him yeah. up by the end of the thing. He was on stage and he was, he was nailing it. Yeah. You know? awesome. and, and afterwards he was, he was quite, uh, quite surprised because as a surgeon, he deals with intellectuals and, you know, university graduates and PhDs all the time. He didn't really know or think that a guy, bass player from some band, would be able to tell him anything or teach him anything. But he, later on, he he, he he had stated that it was quite surprising, you know, because we all have our area of expertise. For me, brain surgeon surgery is not necessarily my area of expertise. So I wouldn't, uh, you know, I would not venture into that without an expert. So similarly, you know, I've been playing for over 50 years. And uh, in all kinds of situations with all kinds of musicians in every genre you could imagine. So uh, there is something there that I can share. And so this gentleman was quite uh, quite touched by it. it was, it's always an emotional experience, the last night of Fantasy Camp, when we all get together, get up on stage and play. And uh, quite amazing. And, I've, and, and, the, some, and you don't know who you're going to get as a, as a band member. You, can, you get somebody that can't play at all or some guys that, that are really great. And um, one particular girl I had as a singer, uh, she, her name is Madame Mayhem. I ended up doing a record with her about a, two years later with uh, wow. Ray Lugier from Corn on drums. And, and Bumblefoot played, and I played, and it was a great record. Now she's out. I think she's coming on to her third record now. She's touring. And uh, so, you know, anything can happen from top to bottom in that particular uh, situation. But it's, it's very interesting. So I'll be doing a online Zoom thing now. Generally, I, I don't know how much it is to for musicians, but they also sell now. They're selling cheaper tickets if you just want to watch, so Ooh. you can get on and watch. Unfortunately, you can you can uh, type in questions, but because it's limited to 20 people, uh, you wouldn't won't be able to verbally ask me questions. But I'm going to have somebody with me when I'm doing it, so they can write down the questions, and I can try and get to them all. Also, as I'm talking with the with the uh, 20 participants I'm dealing with. So uh, I think it's just for 25 bucks you can get a, a ticket for the whole thing and to watch and observe now. So if you're not a musician or you don't feel like taking the class, you can still tune in, and uh, the yeah. Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp uh, website will have all kinds of details on that. But thanks yeah. for asking that as well. Yeah, sure. That sounds so groovy. Yeah, 
it's just uh, you know you uh, you uh, as far as all the musicians I, I mean I'm fortunate enough to speak with you've got a lot of irons in the fire you know I was looking around I was like you got that uh, you know and then you got like these new bass pickups that you've been discussing uh, what, what's the story behind those? Well, I always did something special to the bass pickups I put on my bass. They're basically straight-up DiMarzio pickups, but I had to shape them and form them in a way for my right hand to feel comfortable over them. And everybody that played my bass was always uh, taken back, like, wow, this is amazing. With my right hand, it feels really great. But I, I didn't have the facility to make them for other people. So I'd make them for myself and epoxy them and sand them down and file them down and do all the things I did to them. So... Larry DiMarzio from the DiMarzio Pickup Company is a dear friend of mine. So we talked at one point. And he said, why don't we make the exact thing that exactly you need so you don't have to do all this work on them? So for about two years uh, in, in development, uh, this has been going. Uh, and not only is the pickup now shaped in a whole new way, there's several other brand new uh aspects of the pickup that I don't know have ever been done before. The whole thing is encased in a thin sheet of nickel, which is a shielding thing. So the uh, the, the, the pickup doesn't buzz. It doesn't pick up radio or fluorescent lights or something in a club you're playing or a TV is on. So it's super, super quiet, ultra comfortable. And uh, anybody goes online on my Facebook uh, pages or goes to the DiMarzio website can read a lot more about it. So it's uh, we're very excited about it, and the response to it so far has been good. I sent one to a dear friend of mine who's a great uh, bass technician, electronics guy, and I had him uh, try one out and let me know what he thought of it. And he was uh, he hasn't stopped talking about it yet. So so far, I think it's it's looking very good. I'm very thankful to Larry for uh, putting this together. It's quite awesome. That's great. Yeah, it looked it looked very exciting. Like I said, um, uh, being in in the rhythm, I've always admired and studied the bass. And I think one year when I can slow down and and get with it, I, I'm going to eventually break down and buy a bass. I've always been passionate, want to learn how to play it. I can do a little bit uh, without courting it. I guess you could say I can keep a rhythm, but it, it's always something that's fascinated me. And 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 you know, from every part of it, like um, like you're talking about, yeah, I, yeah. I always encourage bass players to get behind a kit and have the drummer show them and some some basic beats and some basic techniques because you start to learn the language of drums, you can communicate with the drummer better. And it's all about bass and drums. Similarly, a drummer, good idea to pick up a bass, you get an idea of what's happening. And uh, just keeping rhythm on bass is probably 95 to 98% of what you really need on bass, you know, all the, the fancy schmancy nonsense that characters like myself uh, uh, do once in a while, that's that's a very, very small percentage of what you actually need. You know, uh, a great example, ACDC Back in Black. Bass sounds really simple. There's not a lot of flying around. It's the same. But I challenge almost any player to play that record righteous. It's not easy to really yeah. hit that hit those rhythms right and lock into that groove even though you're not flying up and down the neck with hammer-ons and all kinds of nonsense, to, to play a record like that is is a, is a milestone. And I think that's why that record has sold, I don't know how many, 20, 30 million copies so far? I don't know. Yeah, and, and still climbing with the anniversary about to come to come out. It's still, you know, it's still at the top of the charts up there with like uh, Dark Side of the Moon or something like that, just astronomical yeah. on the record sales. I agree, I agree. So drums and bass, uh, they go together. That's it. Yeah, I love them very much. Uh, and that's that's one thing I love about, you know, the the winery dogs is because, you know, the guitarist, he, he, he does his thing, 
but you guys are there right there with him, just uh, giving him his room, but yet he can lean on you as well. And I've always loved that power trio mentality when you have a rhythm section like you guys, just give and take just makes it all the more better. Yeah, I'm, well, thank you very much. I'm glad you like that. I love playing in the winery dogs and playing with Mike and with Richie is joy. Mike is a, a force of nature. Richie is a superstar. And uh, I uh, I love working with those guys. I'll stick mostly with Mike, but venture out and, t- and touch base with Richie a little bit here and there for various parts of the music. But uh, our, our number one uh, YouTube uh, views is Fooled Around and Fell in Love, which is a great song. And that's one thing about the Winder Dogs we really tried to uh, concentrate on is, is songs, with singing, and you know, really well-worked songs. Uh, 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 one particular song uh, we have called uh, Regret, kind of slow ballad thing. It starts out with the piano, one of my favorite pieces. And uh, I'm No Angel. We start anytime we start that song at a live show, the whole place erupts. So yeah, it's uh, we're really pleased about that. And thanks for listening. Yeah, that that I'm no angel. That's that's my jam. Um, I work I work part time at Planet Fitness. I actually live in Columbia, Tennessee. And anytime I'm on my cardio, that's where I start with. I'm no angel. It's a must. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, we're glad to be contributing to your health. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it, it, it's just one of those that like it, it simmers. Like it, you give it the time to like kind of get to that boil, and then it just gives you right what you need. Kind of like when you're grueling getting it started. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm dragging. <laughs> <laughs> the, um. Okay. Base questions. Did you ever? Uh, Do you ever spend any time playing five or six string? I've seen you. You know, just murder a four string but have you ever been gravitated towards uh, more strings on your bass well i do have a six string here at my house in my studio i'm recording i took a break from recording to do this uh thank you interview here my pleasure and uh sometimes uh, it's just a little easier to play the super low notes on the six string it's got a little bit it's got uh onboard electronics so it's a little bit cleaner tone and stuff like that i've used that bass on mr biggs just take my heart and uh We, uh, I think I use it in the video too, but uh, I, I use that occasionally. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't really care one way or the other. Uh, it, it bothers me a little bit that now that people fight over it, you know, no five string, no four, no six, you know, no, I hate five, no, I hate the six, you know, I, I hate. So do we need another reason to be at each other's throats? These yeah, yeah, days? exactly. Just, you play however many strings you want, but I, there's nothing uh, that you can't do on a four string. I mean, all the all the six string is is a little bit extended range, lower notes and higher notes. Other than mm-hmm. that, and there's a myth that 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 uh, sadly goes along that if you're playing a four string bass, a five string bass, you must be a much better player. Six string, whoa, you must be way better if you're playing six whole strings, and those guys only have four. As you see, the the unfortunately the juvenile, uh, ignorant uh, to some degree mentality. Uh, of people that do that so that hence we have the battle between people that play different strings uh, amount of strings on their instrument which is the battle is just unnecessary i normally uh like with sons of apollo i play a double neck one neck is strung b-e-a-d which is the last four strings of a five or six string bass and the other bass is strong normal e-a-d-g so i can play all the notes i need to low when it's time for me to play normal regular bass i just flip over to the other neck and we're back to normal there so it's a it's it's a heavy bass so my i always say my chiropractor loves that bass because he knows i'm going to be a patient of his 
for the rest of his days after yeah. using it. But it's well balanced, actually. And we do two hour shows and I don't take it off. So it's wow. no trouble. We're okay. So yeah, I, uh, I, I use a, I have a six string bass here in my studio. I just did a record for a singer in Brazil and, uh, all, everything was tuned down pretty low. So I did most of the record on a six string bass. So it does come in handy once in a while. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, to me, a six string, you're talking about how thick it is. The, the, the neck of it always reminds me of like a grizzly bear's arm. It's so wide and, and <laughs> bulbous. But um, being a studier, like I said, I do study bass, and it seems like to to me, and I'm not just saying it because I've got you with me, but you and Getty Lee just set the tone for bass players, and I've never seen you with anything more than like a four string, and which is cool. I mean, you can make any of them sing, like you said. I just wanted to know um, if you had any you know preference with them or, or what your thoughts were on them. Well, I do prefer the four. I mean, for me, yeah. four, I always tell bass players, you know, it's kind of in a comedy. When I do my master class in clinics, there's a lot of comedy involved. And I always say, they say, what about the four or the five or six string bass? And I go, well, you know, there's a lot of great uh, five and six string players through the years, like Jocko. Oh, sorry. No, he was four string. Well, what about Chris? <laughs> Qua- no, he was four string. What about John? Was- oh, sorry. He was four string too. What about Getty? Uh, what about Steve Harris? No, sorry. Those are all four string too. So <laughs> and you see my point. And, and yeah. again, I, I, if you play five or six string, God bless you. That's cool. Go for it. That's great. But <laughs> the tradition of bass and where it sits frequency wise, a lot of times, if you go too low, you're out of the range of the guitars, unless the guitars are tuned down too. And so sometimes it leads kind of a gap. And that's where a lot of more traditional players that want to play in that frequency range that is a, that is a regular old four-string bass. That's how all the stand-up basses you see in an orchestra, they're all tuned the same to the same notes, and all the jazz guys and every Motown song and every hit record. There's, I think there's maybe, wow, man, maybe four or five hit records that were done on five or six-string bass. The rest is all, I mean, millions and millions of songs on four-string. You know, I think uh, The Greatest Love, uh, Whitney Houston. I think it might have been Abraham Laboreal who played that, too. He played a six-string, but that's, it's pretty rare. Most most uh, most recordings are four. And uh, But, again, if you're five or six, fantastic. Go for yeah. it. More power to it. Uh, <laughs> I just, like, like I said, it's just a, you, you know, it's just a, a, a base fan's uh, question, like someone that's, uh, you know, just curious more than anything. But, um you're the only, uh, one thing that's always impressed me with you, and you were talking about Mr. Big, is I've, you know, did you originate finger taps on a bass? I've never seen anybody do it but you, and it looks like it's the most difficult thing because I know how thick bass strings are, and you're just reeling up and down that board doing finger taps. Well, uh, in 1974, I saw ZZ Top open for Alice Cooper in Buffalo, New York on, on New Year's Eve. 1974 was the year. And Billy Gibbons bent a string and then hit the fretboard with his right hand on a fret. And it made, and it made the note. And we looked at each other like, holy cow, amazing. So I got home in 1974, and I was doing it since then. Uh, and then 1978, Van Halen came out and uh, crushed all my dreams because I thought I was the only <laughs> one that did it. Yeah. But in all seriousness, Ed Van Halen deserves really just all the credit. There's people who did it before him on guitar back in the 40s. Paganini had violin pieces, I believe, that have had that technique written into them. So it's nothing new under the sun. But I got it from Billy Gibbons, and, and I may have been the first bass player to play it, but if, if, I, if I am, doesn't mean anything. If I'm not, doesn't either. You know, it's just, just, it's just there, there are many people who come up with great innovations that we don't hear about sometimes. Uh, 
And I know uh, I read uh, a lot about uh, Van Halen's history, and I know a lot of those people around the band very well. And Ed may have pretty much picked it up from a couple of people, uh, and you do. Uh, that's what art is. You you borrow from other people. But Ed deserves all the credit for popularizing and bringing to the forefront the whole concept. So he's always been a hero of mine and still is. And I, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, though I do, uh, I have spoken with Billy Gibbons and he was glad that I mentioned his name <laughs> regarding <laughs> being, uh, where I got my hammer-ons from because he's uh, just a wonderful guy and, uh, yeah. and a genius on top of it. <laughs> well, that's a very, very humble and modest of you, but I'm just going to tell you from my perspective, nobody looks cooler doing it than you do. <laughs> very kind of you, my brother. Right I on. just look at it and I think, uh, while I'm watching you do it, I'm like, man, I'd hate to get hit in the face with that fist. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is very true that on guitar, you got these thin little strings, like when you have a little cheese cutter with the wire, and it's about that size, thin, thin, tiny string. And the bass, you get these big clothesline strings which are wound with stainless steel and i've actually in my workshop when i didn't have a saw i would take a used bass string and use it as a wire saw to cut through wood no it's a serious uh uh damage to your fear so yeah hammer-ons on bass are are definitely a a physical it takes some physical uh uh a push to do it but uh again you know that's that's just no pain no gain sometimes yeah, totally agree. Okay, uh, like I said, I, I appreciate your time. One more question, and, and it's, been a true honor. it's been a true honor. Um, how often do you uh, work on new bass solos, or, or, or what is your uh, process for that? Uh, not really, never. I don't really work on a solo per se, but I, I work on, I'm constantly practicing, constantly coming up with new ideas and new ways of doing things and refining my uh, things I already have, smoothing things out, making sure all my Eighth notes and sixteenth notes are righteous and in the pocket and even and the same volume and it's a it's a huge uh, uh, task to keep all those techniques up to speed with your physical ability uh, and and uh, it it I spend hours and hours and hours on it I have a my new my new home here in Nashville we have a our garage door opens up and there's a parking area and there's a, we have a big chunk of woods right behind our home. So we get the chipmunks and squirrels that come out and uh, I get a bag of, of, of peanuts and I sit there in the chair with my garage door open and start throwing the peanuts out and practicing, practicing, practicing. And the chipmunks and the squirrels are, are come up to me and eventually they're so used to me sitting there for so long. Now they'll come up and take the peanut out of my hand. Because I'm, cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm there practicing so much, and they're not like city uh, park squir- squirrels or chipmunks. These are wild, so they they're really shy, and they don't yeah. want to come near humans at all. But we, I, I spent so much time in that chair practicing. They're they're so used to me now they don't even care anymore. So, but the but but quite frankly, I I do I still work as hard as ever. I probably practice more now than I ever did in my life, and every day. I discover a new thing that I've never known about before. And a couple of times when I've said that in public, I almost step back and ask if I actually believe that myself or not. And then sure enough, that day, oh, there it is. I never knew this before. And a new technique or idea or musical uh, way of doing something presents itself to me that I never knew before. So uh, it's amazing that the adventure never ends. Uh, to me, uh, there's really no end or no limit to how good you can get. And good doesn't always mean how fast you can play by any means. It, the depth of your uh, understanding of playing can go 
deep songwriting composition, understanding how to harmonize and understanding what's the right note for the right time on the, in the right song. And all these things are skills you can improve upon to no end. So I'm uh, your original question. I, I don't really practice soloing, but I, but I do work very, very hard on everything I do on bass from just playing dun, 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 just to sit with a metronome and hit that for an hour or two mm-hmm. and just sure. hit it and not, not ahead. You're not behind. You're not ahead. You're, you're right. You're going to land right on it. And it's uh, challenging. Many times a young player will come along and I do in a clinic. I did one in Sicily one time years ago. And this a group of bass players, it was, it was a special uh, uh, summer camp for musicians and, one guy stood up and he he kicked ass. He's a great bass player. He's playing some really cool stuff. And I stopped him and I said, "Okay, that's really great, really excellent. Now I want you to do the same thing, only this time tap your foot and keep time." Couldn't do it. He oh couldn't wow! Do it. He couldn't do it. And his face lit up because he, now he realized, "Aha! Here is a thing I can fix." So the great thing about troubleshooting your own playing or someone else's that happens in like the lame music thing coming up or the rock and roll fantasy camp thing. When you find something wrong, it's a good thing because now you can fix it. If you don't know what's wrong, when you're driving your car and you open up, the, it stops, you open up the trunk, you don't see anything or the, the uh, whatever it is you open up, uh, <laughs> look inside of the engine, uh, you don't see anything wrong. Well, what am I going to do? But you look down, there's a wire off. Yay, all right, let's put it back on, go back in, starts, no problem. So it's great to be able to discover those problems. So a lot of my playing that I do when I practice, I'm troubleshooting. I'll be plucking along, I'll notice one finger is not making the grade, so now I'll isolate that one, pound it, hit it hard, get build up that callus, work it until now it's equal to the others, and great, I found a problem, solved it, and now things are better. So, so again, to... Uh, over answer your question. I spent a lot of time. <laughs> still, still working on bass. It was great. What what I gathered from that is like uh, you're one of the best that ever do it, and you're basically saying that you know you're still practicing. <laughs> so, well, yeah. that's very kind of you to say. But uh, and for me, when I look at my playing, uh, I, I I don't really pay it much attention. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I did that already. But the thing I'm working on is this thing here that I can't do. This is the part that I'm not good at. So you're almost always in a state of mind where you think you suck when, when in fact, you know, you maybe covered some ground and maybe had a few uh, uh, moments where, where things were not so bad. But, uh, but when, in your mind, when you're always up against this next mountain to climb, it's a challenge. And you're always thinking, oh, man, how am I going to ever? And then when you get to the top, fantastic, we did it. Now look over to your left. There's another mountain, and it's a little higher and a little colder and steeper. So it never ends, and I'm glad that it doesn't. That's it. And that wraps up another glorious edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Special thanks to my magnificent guests, Lauren Israel, musical trio East of June, and bass playing legend and all-around winner, Mr. Billy Sheehan. I also want to thank you, the listeners, for taking the time to give it a listen. Like I said, please, if you don't mind, share this with your friends. Tell them to find me on Facebook. We always welcome new people to listen to as we want it to grow and continue with this fun podcast. I want you to have an awesome week. We'll catch you at the end of the next week. And I want you to know and remember always that I love you for you and where you're at in life. 
Be safe, be careful, be happy, and I will catch up with you next time. All right, until we get there, later. All right.